All right, good morning, everybody. Well, you did it. You made it to church on time change, uh, spring break weekend. All right, so give yourselves a hand. Way to go, way to go. Good job, everybody. You made it here. You finally made it. Yeah, some of you were thinking you were coming to the middle service. This is actually the last service. Uh, Welcome, good to have you here. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, great. And can we also thank our praise team for doing such a great job, our student praise team for leading out out today. All right, so let me start off with the question today. Uh, What, this is the audience participation part of the talk here. So what do you say when someone sneezes? That's right, bless you. Or some people say, God bless you. Why do we say that? Well, the answer to that is found in a book called The um, Common, uh, Uncommon Reasons for Common Things. And in this book, uh, we're told kind of the history behind some of the common things that we do every single day. And they talked about why do we say God bless you when someone sneezes? The answer goes all the way back to 509 AD. The Roman Empire was suffering under a great plague. And Pope Gregory I, this is his picture right there, uh, made a connection between sneezing and the onset of the illness. And so he said that when someone sneezes, that means that the illness may be coming on them. What they needed was divine intervention. So he made an edict that if you saw someone sneeze to pronounce a blessing of God's protection over them. So you were supposed to say, God bless you, in a sense to to ward off this uh, terrible sickness and this terrible disease. So anytime you say, God bless you now, you're still following the edict of Gregory the first, all right? And still being very obedient to him. All right. We use the word blessing all the time. We say, um, if you want to do something nice for somebody, well, I just wanted to bless them. Right? Uh, if you uh, if you want to say goodbye to somebody, sometimes you say, well, God bless you. You know, as you leave. Uh, if somebody does something really stupid, you say, oh, well, bless their heart. You know, <laughs> that's what that means. Anyway, uh, we use the word bless. We throw it around a lot. We just want to bless you. We want to be a blessing. You know, say to be blessed, too stressed to be blessed. All that kind of language that we use. What does it mean, though, to be a blessing, to give a blessing, to what is a blessing? That's what I want to talk about today. The title of the message is The Blessing. But here's what I want you to understand. It may be the desire for a blessing that's causing you to live the way you're living, causing you to make the choices. It may be the thing that's driving you is this desire for a blessing. It may be the one thing that your family is craving and longing for from you is a blessing. Let me show you what I mean. I'm gonna take your Bible and open it up to Genesis chapter 27. That's where we're going to be today, Genesis chapter 27. And uh, as you're turning there, let me just remind you, we're in a study on, uh, about a man named Jacob. And uh, last time we gathered, we learned a lot about Jacob. So I'm going to give you a very quick couple of second recap. Jacob has a brother named Esau, twin brother. Esau means hairy. He was very hairy. And uh, he came out first. Jacob came out grabbing his brother's heel indicating that this Jacob would be someone who would trip up his brother. There's all kinds of foreshadowing developed right at the very beginning about this relationship, this struggle between Jacob and Esau, his brother. Jacob's parents were Isaac and Rebekah. 
And what we learned last week is that there was a big rift between them. Rebecca really favored the young one, the baby, uh, Jacob, while Isaac, the dad, favored the firstborn son, Esau. And so there was this tension in this whole family. And at one point, Jacob actually uh, tricked Esau into selling his birthright. Uh, birthright was a special privilege given to the firstborn son. It meant a double portion of the inheritance. It meant God's favor and blessing. It meant that that person would rise up to be the spiritual leader of the family one day when the father passed away. And Esau had such disdain for a spiritual thing, didn't care about that. They sold it away to his brother, Jacob. God also gave a promise to Rebecca, the mom, that the older would serve the younger, that Esau would eventually serve Jacob, that the primacy, the blessing would not go to Esau, the firstborn, but would go to Jacob, the secondborn. All that was what we studied last week, but all that's important for understanding what we're going to study today. All right. Now we pick up the story. A lot of time has elapsed, a lot of pages off the calendar. And now Isaac is very old and he's about to give a blessing to somebody. So let's look at it. Genesis chapter 27, beginning of verse 1. This is the word of God. When Isaac was old and his eyes were weak, were so weak that he could not see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, Look, I am old and do not know the day of my death. So now take your hunting gear, your quiver and bow, and go out in the field and hunt some game for me, then make me a delicious meal that I love and bring it to me to eat so that I can bless you before I die. Now stop right there for just a minute. We're not really sure how old he is, Isaac. Uh, he may be 137 years old, uh, that's one prediction. But he was an old man, he was, get, he was blind for all practical matters. Uh, he, he thought that he was maybe close to death. And so he has a desire to bless his older son. Now this blessing is a transference of God's blessing that had come to him now given to the next generational leader. And so he calls Esau, his firstborn son, to bless. Now there are two, let me just kind of geek out on you just a minute, step back away from the story. Some of you have heard this story a lot growing up. Some of you have never heard this story before. And so this is the first time, all right? So I want to treat this story very well. There are two different views as to what Isaac, the old man, knows. Some people believe that Isaac really was in the dark about this whole God told Rebekah that the older would serve the younger thing. She didn't tell him that. And he was completely in the dark about how Esau had sold away his birthright for a pot of stew. He didn't know that either. So when he comes to this moment of giving this blessing, he's doing it thinking he's doing the right thing. He, he's believing that he is supposed to bless his firstborn son. Others speculate that actually, how in the world could you keep those two events quiet because they're such big events and that after all, years and years have gone by, surely his wife told him what God told her. Surely it, the word got out somehow, some way to him that Esau had sold his birthright. And so in that case, Isaac knew that what he was doing was against the will of God. The fact of the matter is, we don't know. The scripture never gives us a clue as to what Isaac knows. But it is really a good moment for us to stop, to hit the brakes and say this. As we get older, our heart should always be to want to do the things of God. 
But sometimes as we get older, we just want to do our own thing. And that's a real danger for us. If you ever find yourself saying, well, I know God says this, but I really want to do that. That's a problem. Well, I know God says I shouldn't date anybody that I, that, that, you know, we're on an equally yoke spiritually, but, but, but he's so cute, you know, and I think we'll be fine. And I'll win into Jesus, you know, after we're married or whatever. There's a problem. If God says, hey, I should prioritize this, but I don't. If God says I should go this way, but I don't, then I'm putting myself in a position to go against the very purposes and provenance of God. And that's really where we find Isaac. Isaac is heading into territory where God is not led. And so what happens? Pick up a verse five. Now, Rebekah was listening to what Isaac said to his son Esau. So Esau went to the field to hunt some game to bring in. Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau, and he said, bring me some game and make a delicious meal for me to eat so that I can bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me and do what I tell you. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, and I will make them into a delicious meal for your father, the kind he loves. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. And Jacob answered Rebekah, his mother, and said, look, my brother Esau is a hairy man. Remember, Esau means hairy. But I am a, uh, I'm a man with smooth skin. Suppose my father touches me, then I will be revealed to him as a deceiver and bring a curse rather than a blessing on myself. And his mother said to him, your curse be on me, my son. Just obey and go get them for me. All right, so Rebecca is kind of listening in. She overhears what Isaac has told Esau. That's probably not hard to do if you live in tents, probably. It's probably easy to overhear. She's been listening in and she's like, oh, a warning. We got to do something. So when Esau takes off, she goes to her favorite son, Jacob, and he goes, wait, wait, we got, a, we got a problem. We got a major problem here. Your father is told your brother that he's going to give him a blessing. Notice the your father and your brother, not my husband, my son. I mean, there's some tension in this family. There really is. I mean, we saw it in the last week. You saw the fault line between, you know, Jacob and Esau. We saw between Isaac and Rebekah. Nobody's really talking here. Nobody's really working problems out. You don't ever see them going on family vacations, right? I mean, you just, you, you just feels like everyone's walking on eggshells. That nobody's talking about the obvious and everybody's kind of manipulating their way. Have you ever known a family like that? Hey, well, you know, don't tell your dad, but uh, I really think you should come up. Well, if you say this, then I'll back you up and say that. Or, hey, let's just play it this way or let's just do that way. Lots of manipulation and not a lot of communication. That's really what's happening here. And Rebecca developed a plan. She developed a plan. And she said, I'm, I'm going to put you in there and you're going to go in there. You're going to get that blessing. And uh, we're going to deceive your father. That's really what the plan was. And, and Jacob, he doesn't throw the flag of, hey, uh, this is wrong. <laughs> this is deceitful. This is lying. He doesn't do that. And, and the only flag he throws is, well, wait a minute. What, what if we get caught, right? What if, what if I get in there and he touches me and he, you know, he's a rough guy and I'm a smooth operator. And uh, how, what happens if, he, if I get caught, right? Then what, what's going to happen to me? He's not worried about what's right. He's just worried about getting caught. And she's like, hey, man, I'll take care of it. 
If, there, if there's penalty to pay, it's on me. Just do what I tell you. And so look at, look at the next verse. So he went out and got the goats, verse 14, brought them to his mother and his mother made this delicious food his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her older son Esau, which were in the house, and had her younger son Jacob wear them. And she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the delicious food and the bread she had made to her son Jacob. So it's kind of like Halloween time, Jacob dressing up like Esau. You know, he's putting on his clothes. Uh, the very goats that she made the meal for, she takes their skins and puts them on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. I mean, that must mean that Esau was a pretty hairy guy if, if the goat hide, you know, really is like his skin. And so she's going to move him into this. She's got this whole plan worked out. You know, the only thing that's missing in this whole plan is her actually seeking God about it. You know, many times when we get into trouble, when things don't go our way, when things are a problem, we have two choices. We can kind of say, oh, I got a plan. I can figure that out, man. I know how to do this. I can just do that and that and that. And I'll make this decision and we'll move this around and we'll, we got a plan. How many times in the scripture do we see this over and over and over, people making their plans without asking the Lord for direction? Rebecca knows better. When she was younger and she couldn't get pregnant, they sought the Lord and God gave her pregnancy. When she was pregnant and the babies were tumbling around in her womb, she sought after God and God spoke to her. But here now in her older age, she's not seeking God anymore. She's making her own plans, going her own way. And the family's gonna pay for it. Let me ask you something, are you doing that? Are you making your own plans? Or are you seeking God in the problems that you're facing right now? The things at work that you're facing, are you seeking God about it? The things in your family, are you really seeking God for them? Seek God in his direction. She's gonna pay a price for it. So let's look and see what happens. Look at verse 18. When he came to his father, he said, my father? And he answered, here I am, who are you, my son? Jacob replied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? He replied, because the Lord your God made it happen for me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come closer so I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? So Jacob came closer to his father, Isaac. And when he touched him, he said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him and again he asked, are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. Then he said, bring it closer to me and let me eat some of my son's game so that I can bless you. So J Jacob brought it closer to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. <clears throat> then his father Isaac said to him, please come closer and kiss me, my son. And so he came closer and kissed him. You know, Isaac is an old man. He's old, he's vulnerable, can't see very good. 
And five times he asked, are you really the right one? I mean, he's like, how'd you, how'd you get the food so quickly? And are you really my son? And come here, let me touch you. And your voice doesn't sound right. And come here, let me kiss you. And five times, Jacob had five opportunities to come clean, but he did not. He deceived his father. He acted deceptively. And look at what happens. Look at the middle of verse 27. And when Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give to you from the dew of the sky and from the richness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May peoples serve you and nations bow in worship to you. Be master over your relatives. May your mother's sons bow in worship to you. And those who curse you will be cursed, and those who bless you will be blessed. <clears throat> he gives him the blessing. This blessing, this transference of God's favor. He draws him close to kiss him, and he smells him. And he starts off with this word of affirmation, and he goes, Ah, oh, my son smells like the field that the Lord has blessed. That's one thing that Liz has never said to me. You know, my husband smells like the yard that the Lord is blessed, or it smells like the gym down the street, right? He meant this as a word of affirmation, right? My son, that's what he's like. And then he goes on to give blessing. He gives the blessing of God's provision that you're gonna have new wine and new grain and all the provision you need. These are also elements of, that will later be used for worship. So you're the one who truly will worship God. Then he goes on to talk about your, your promotion. He's going to promote him over all the nations, even over his own relatives, that they will bow to you and worship you and serve you. And there is in that the inclination and the foreshadowing of the Messiah that would ultimately be the object of worship that will come through his line. And then he talked about protection, the blessing of God's protection. He said, and those who curse you will be cursed, and those who bless you will be Bless. And when Isaac gave this blessing to Jacob, the blessing was irrevocable. It was what God had said. And it would stand. Now look what happens. Verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had left the presence of his father, his brother Esau arrived from his hunting and he had made some delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father get up and eat some of his son's game so that you may bless me. But his father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? And he answered, I am Esau, your firstborn son. And Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. Who was it then, he said, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came in and I blessed him. Indeed, he will be blessed. And when Esau heard his words, his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, my father. But he replied, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. And he said to him, isn't he, he rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me twice now. He took my birthright and look, now he has taken my blessing then he asked, haven't you saved a blessing for me? 
I mean, here comes Esau out of the field and he's ready to receive his blessing. Come on, dad, let's eat up and let's get this thing going so you can bless me. He's like, who are you? And he goes, what are you talking about? I'm Esau, your son. He goes, whoa, whoa, who is the person that I just blessed? Who's the person that just came in here? He's like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I blessed this other person. I ate his game. I blessed him and, and he will be blessed. And he's like, what is going on? Verse 33, it says that, that Isaac shook literally violently. I don't know if it translates that in your Bible that you're reading. Shook violently. He was terrified. He, he was, became aware in that moment that all of a sudden he did not bless his oldest son, that surely the favor of God will be to his younger son. And he was shaken by it. And how did Esau deal with that news? Well, he got angry. He got angry and bitter. Later, he's going to threaten to kill his brother and determine to see him dead. Esau got mad. Esau blamed Jacob for it. He's always ripping me off. He's always doing this to me, right? He, he tricked me with the birthright thing and now he's taking my blessing. But you know what Esau did not do? He got angry. He blamed others, but he never repented himself. So what do you mean? You know, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And in Hebrews chapter 12, we learn some insight about Esau. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17 says this. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected even though he sought it with tears. Why? Because he did not find any opportunity for repentance. He did not find any opportunity for repentance. You see... Esau never really wanted to walk with God. Esau had no spiritual interest. Esau sold his birthright for a pot of chili because he could care less. He wanted what he wanted. In the chapter before, the one that we're reading now, he went off and he got a couple of pagan women and he married them and he didn't care that that broke mom and dad's heart. He didn't care that it broke God's heart. He was just living his life. He gave no reason, no indication that he ever cared what God thought and was living his life the way he wanted. And then when he doesn't get what he wants, he's quick to blame other people and blame God and shirk responsibility and he's never owning his own choices. Listen, there are a lot of people like that. A lot of people that, man, they just kind of shirk God off and they kind of tip their hat at him, but they have no indication of obeying him, no indication of walking him, no indication of really worshiping God and putting him first in their life. But then when the crisis comes, when things don't come the way they want, boy, they're quick to blame God and then blame other people for how they've done it to them. And they don't see this as an opportunity, an opportunity to say, God, what have I done? Maybe I, maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe this is a wake-up call for me to really realize that my relationship with you is not right. Esau had an opportunity, but he would not take it. And he got angry and he just blamed other people for his own problems. Look at how Isaac responds to him. Verse 37, but Isaac answered Esau, look, I have made him master over you, have given him all, 
of his relatives as his servants and have sustained him with new grain and new wine, what then can I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, listen to this, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept loudly. It's really a tragic story in many ways. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of things we can take from this passage. We can talk about the providence of God. There's a theme that runs throughout. We can talk about the danger of taking matters into your own hands, which is another theme that runs throughout this story. But the one primary theme that runs from the very beginning to the very end in this chapter is a theme of blessing. And here's what I want you to write down. I want you to get this one thought down. I want you to drive it down. You may want to write it in the margin of your Bible, and this is it. We all long for a father's blessing. We all long for that. Every child longs for a father's blessing. Every teenager desires and longs for a father's blessing. Every adult desires and longs for a father's blessing. What is a blessing? Well, the Hebrew word for blessing that's used in this passage is the word barak. And it means to kneel or to kiss or to praise. It's the same word used in the psalm when it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. How do I bless God? It's that I praise him, that I see him as worthy, that I acknowledge his value as God, and I praise him. That's what it means to bless God. And so when a father blesses a son or blesses a daughter, what he's doing is acknowledging the value that that person has how they are made, their worth, their value, to affirm and to praise and to bless that person. And listen, some of you grew up with the, the blessing of your dad. Some of you had godly fathers that blessed you and spoke value into your life and praised you and affirmed you and encouraged you. And if that is you, then today, acknowledge that as a true blessing for me. But many of you did not. Many of you never heard your dad say, I'm proud of you. Some of you never heard your dad say, I love you. Some of you never heard your dad say, I think you've got what it takes. You never heard that. You never received a blessing. In fact, the National Center for Fathering recently said that over 9 million children in America today are growing up in fatherless homes. One out of every four child in America is growing up in a home without a dad. And the repercussions of fatherlessness in our nation plays out like a terrible horror movie. You just see all kinds of negative results. Uh, two, two, two times more likely to drop out of school if you don't have a dad four times more likely to end up in poverty, seven times more likely to end up with a teenage pregnancy. And the list goes on and on and on. Why? Because what they long for is a father's blessing. I'll just tell you, I know a lot of very successful people in life that if you drill down deep into why they drive so hard, why they push so hard, why they put in so many hours, why they have to achieve 
is because they're trying to prove their dad wrong. That I am worth something. I can prove it to you. I can be successful. And you're still reacting to this ache in your soul for a father's blessing. What does it mean to give a blessing to the people in your life? You know, Dr. John Trent, who wrote a book in the early 90s, it was a very prominent book, a bestseller. It was simply titled The Blessing. And in this book, he went back to the passage we just read and he pulled out of it what are the components of a biblical blessing that we can give to the people that we love in our life. And I want to share with you those four components with you. All right? These may be something you may want to jot down. He said there are four components to a blessing. The first one is to extend a loving touch. You saw that with Isaac reaching out and saying, come here, let me kiss you. Come here, let me get close to you. He was embracing his son as he gave a blessing. And a blessing needs to begin with a loving touch or embrace. The second thing he said is that uh, you speak words of affirmation. He said, all my son smells like the smell of a field, right? He was saying, I love the way you're made. I love the way you're wired. It may be that when you speak that, you're saying, man, I love, you're so smart, or you work so hard, or you have such great integrity. I love how God's made you to be gifted in this way and gifted in that way, and I see it, and I acknowledge it, and I'm proud of you, and I love the way you do you. Words of affirmation. So many people only get words of criticism from their fathers, not affirmation. But this is a spoken word of affirmation. Third element to the blessing is to envision a special future. This is what Isaac did to Jacob. He said, God's going to provide for you and God's going to promote you and God's going to protect you. All these things that God's going to do in the future. And so when you give a blessing, you say, you know what? I love the way you're wired. I see God's hand. And you know what? You're going to be so good in college. You're going to kill it in that new job. You're going to be such a great mom. You're going to be such a great dad. I, I just know that God's going to use you in a way. You're going to go so much further than I could ever go. You're going to accomplish so much more than I could ever accomplish. God's going to go before you and make a way for you. See, that's envisioning a future of God's blessing. And then the fourth element is a commitment to display a deep commitment to that person. When Isaac spoke those words, he, was, he stood by them. He never retracted them. He never said, well, I, I'm going to unbless you and now bless somebody else. No, his blessing stood. His blessing was his commitment. We all long for a blessing like this. I remember when Liz and I were first married, we lived in this tiny, tiny, tiny apartment for our first apartment. Literally, you could vacuum the whole apartment with one plug. All right, it, it was little bitty. And we had a little bitty kitchen, so small, we had to like synchronize our movements to both be in the kitchen at the same time. And I will never forget, we were, one day we were both in the kitchen, she was cutting up something, preparing for a meal, our evening supper. And uh, I was in there helping her and she was just offloading all the stress in her life. She was a school teacher at the time. She said, little Johnny's killing me. Little John, I can't get him to sit in his seat. I can't get him to do what he wants to do. And little Johnny's mom is blowing me up all the time and she's always so upset. And then I've got this coworker problem that's happening right now. And I've got an issue with my family that, that's adding stress in my life. And I don't know, we don't have any money. I don't know how we're gonna pay the utility bill. And I mean, she was just offloading all these stresses in her life. I'm just listening. And then at one point I turned her around toward me and I put my hands on her shoulders 
And I said, so let me get this straight. And I just repeated everything that she just said. Little Johnny, like a hellion, right? And you don't know what to do. And little Johnny's mama is not too much further than him. And, and then you got this coworker problem and you got this family issue and, you, and you're afraid we can't pay the bills. And I said, doesn't that feel like a heavy weight on your shoulders? Every time I'm pressing down on her shoulders, she goes, yeah, it does. And I said, that's why God gave me to you, to help you carry that load. You're not in this by yourself. I said, let me tell you something. You're a great teacher. You're really good. And you're a great wife. And you're a great daughter. And you know what? Those kids that you think are not listening to you are going to grow up and do amazing things. And they're going to come back and thank you for that. And God's using you in incredible ways. And, and God's going to help us pay the bill. It's going to be okay. We're not going to get kicked out. And, and God's going to provide for us. And listen, I just believe that we're just at the beginning point of all that God wants to do. And I'm with you. We're going to do this together. I remember when I said those words to her, what I saw were tears streaming down her cheek. You know why? Because she had never been blessed before. There are people maybe in your own family that have never been blessed by you. For you to speak those kind of words into their life. For you to hold them for you to speak words of affirmation, you're so good at this, to envision a future of God's favor and to be committed to them. Listen, you don't have to be a dad to give a blessing. You can be a mom and give a blessing. You can be a wife and bless your husband or a husband that blesses his wife or a friend that blesses another friend. You see, you can give a blessing. You have a blessing to give. You just need to give it. And by the way, don't wait till you're almost dead before you give your blessing. Don't wait before you're blind and you don't know if you're going to die or not. Give it now. Give it today. And by the way, don't just give it once. Give it over and over and over and over. So that when it does come your time to die, that people will say, that man, that woman blessed my life every single day. They were a blessing to me. They spoke a blessing over me. You know, the longer I live, I realize how short life is. I don't want to waste an opportunity to speak a blessing. Now, you may say, well, how can I give a blessing that I've never gotten? I never received that from my dad. How can I give a blessing to others? And here's the good news, is that while your heart longs for a father to bless you, You have a heavenly father that longs to bless you, who wants to bless you. In fact, when you give your life to Christ, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you receive an eternal blessing. You receive the ultimate blessing from your heavenly father. I want to prove that to you. I want you to look at this verse. I I wanted to put it on the screen because I want you to see it with your eyes. Hebrews chapter one, verse three says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking to God the Father here. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Did you get that? When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you come into the favor of your heavenly Father who says, I love the way I made you. I made you 
fearfully and wonderfully made. I created you with a purpose and by design, and now I'm putting all the spiritual blessings of hope and forgiveness, of joy, of peace, of, of adoption as my son and my daughter, all of this, and I place my spirit within you and my stamp of approval and ownership on your life. And I am committed to seeing this through what I've begun in your life. That's the blessing of our Father. And when you come to Christ, you receive that blessing. You know, in fact, I want to show you one thing as we close here that you, that Jesus is actually in this story that we just read. You may not have noticed him, but he's there. Jacob wants to receive the blessing from his father, right? But he can't go on his own merit because if he goes on his own merit, just as himself, he will be cursed, not blessed. So what does he have to do? He covers himself with the skins of these animals. He covers himself so as to appear as the firstborn son. So when the father sees him, he sees him as the firstborn son and he can receive this blessing. And that's exactly how we come to our heavenly father. We can't come on our own merit, on our own good works, our own efforts, our own religious practice, because we're sinful. We deserve judgment. We deserve the curse because of all the things that we've done. But when we come through Christ, we, we come covered in the righteousness of Jesus. You see, at the, at the cross, some incredible exchange happened when, when Jesus died on the cross, he was cloaked in our sinfulness. The father treated him as if he was you and justly gave his wrath on him to punish his sin. And Christ died in our place and he rose again the third day and now he offers his cloak of his righteousness to wrap around you so that when you come before the presence of your heavenly father, he sees you just as he sees his own firstborn son, the son of Jesus Christ. That's how you find the blessing. You gotta come in Christ. That's why all the heavenly blessings are yours in Christ. And when you receive that blessing of your father, the approval of your father, the love of your father, the grace of your father, then you can bless those in your life with the blessing that you've received. Have you received that blessing? Have you come to faith in Jesus? Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Maybe you're here today right now and you don't know that you ever really given your life to Christ, but right now God is speaking to you that you are trying to get God's favor on your own, on your own merit by you being good, by being religious, by knowing more Bible, by trying to be spiritual. And that is never good enough. What you need is the righteousness of Jesus Christ to cover you and you get that by faith and repentance, placing your faith in Jesus and turning from your sin and asking him to forgive you. So right now, right where you are, why don't you just ask him, say, Father, please forgive me for my sin. Please forgive me for my sin. I believe Jesus died in my place. That just as a lamb 
was slain and covered Jacob, that the Lamb of God, Jesus, was slain and he covers my sin and makes me right before the Father. Ask him to forgive you, to cover your sin, to make you right with the Father. And maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, but you have been withholding your blessing. You have not blessed your wife or your husband. You have not blessed your son or your daughter. And maybe right now God is saying, you know what? You need to put your hands on their shoulders and speak affirmation and future and commitment over them because they desperately need your blessing. Father, I thank you for your unfailing love for us. Thank you that you made a way for us to be covered. That there is so much foreshadowing in this story of Jesus, the Lamb of God who dies in our place to cover our sin and make us right before the Father. Thank you for the good news that we don't have to suffer the curse of our own sinfulness. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today to lead this place and to be a blessing to someone this week. Maybe to pull our wife or our husband aside and just bless them. To pull our children aside and bless them. Lord, I pray that we would not take our blessing to, our, to the grave, but we would give it over and over and over so that we become an image of you, a reflection of you, the ultimate blessing giver. Lord, go with us this week. Help us to walk as sons and daughters that are blessed by our Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.